Welcome to the Index Podcast, hosted by Alex Kahaya. Plug in as we explore new frontiers with Web3 and the decentralized future. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Index, brought to you by The Graph, where we talk with the entrepreneurs building the next wave of the internet, Web3. I'm your host, Alex Kahaya, and today I'm excited to welcome my friend and colleague, Vibhu Norby, founder of Drip. Before Drip, Vibhu built Beta, which was a software-powered retailer designed to improve the customer and maker experience. I'm super excited to have you on, your, on the show and to share your story with our audience and just to learn more about Drip and what you're currently working on. Thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Alex. Appreciate it. I do want to spend a little bit of time just at the top of the show going over your background so that people who haven't met you before can kind of know where you come from. Do you mind just sharing a little bit about your journey to, to Drip? I've been a longtime software engineer. I wrote code at a lot of companies, Roblox back in the day, MySpace, Nest, Google. In between, I founded a few venture-backed companies. This is my third venture-backed business. We were created first as a side project at Solana Spaces, the Solana stores in New York City and Miami. And then in February, we sunset the stores and decided to focus on Drip full-time. Okay. And what's Drip? So Drip is a couple of things, but most importantly, it's free digital collectibles every single week into your wallet from top Solana artists and creators. It's the easiest thing in crypto to get involved with because you don't need tokens to get started. You just need a Phantom wallet or other you know, any other Solana wallets. And you sign up once, you don't need any soul, you don't need any USDC. Once you're in, you start getting digital collectibles from us. And now you can also get digital collectibles from other creators that, that you love by uh, subscribing to their drip feeds. So think about this as it's becoming a way for creators to build a collectible universe around their content and for their audience. For me, one of the reasons why I think it's so exciting, and I, I subscribe to all the different channels, so I've been kind of getting the experience as you've been growing, but you have a ton of traction. Like, Can you talk about where you started and kind of your growth rate and the users that you're seeing come on board? This project started in end of October last year, 2022. Our first drop went to, I think, 1,600 wallets. It has this kind of compounding growth effect because from the very early days, not the first drop, but maybe drop four or five, we started allowing people who were on the list to share an invitation with somebody else so that they could join. And we locked it down so people can just sign up. And so every week we saw like, this like 15 to 20% compounding growth rate. The magic of compounding growth is it really happens fast if you kind of keep at it. And we kept iterating on and doing you know, all kinds of growth hacking mechanisms. As of right this second, I'm going to get to your real time. I'm going to load up my dashboard. Let's do it. We are at... Yeah, 276,340 subscribers. So wow, that's just 15% a week for 30 plus weeks in a row. I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, it's one of the fastest growing projects in crypto in Web3 for sure, especially in the middle of a bear market. Like, let's just timestamp that for everybody. Like, this is a bear market. Without tokens. That's the yeah, important Yeah, with no tokens. Piece. There's This is just... Yeah, it is pure like content marketing, but collectibles. Like people own the content that gets sent to them by the creator, which is just a big paradigm shift. You nailed it. You know, I mean, there have been a few other games that have taken off at a, at a much bigger level, including Steppen, Axie back in the day, not Rip to Axie, but 
But yeah, I think what sets us apart from some of the predecessors is just the like purity of the experience. I don't have a big token supply that I'm dump on people at the top. It really is, like you said, it's built around contents, but built around collecting. And we happen to think that like the market for that is much, much bigger than the market is for for like token earning, which is a weird thing to say, but most people don't do things just for the money. And we knew that early on. That's been a and we're also US based, so it's a little harder for us to do any shenanigans. Yeah, that's been a core part of our philosophy. I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like you have product market fit yet? It's it's pretty high growth rate. It's, it's the closest thing I've seen in a long time for a product in this space. We can have a long conversation about the fact that I don't believe in product market fit as a concept. What we found to be true is that there's a very large number of people who want to get involved with NFTs who don't have the money to do it. And I think we've been able to basically create an ecosystem of collectibles that is super, super accessible. Have we convinced people that don't care for NFTs um, to care for them yet? I don't think so. And that's because we haven't tried yet and we don't have content in our ecosystem that's compelling for, for the masses yet. So, you know, my big job in the next couple of years, and the only way this becomes kind of a breakout, literally breakout, breaking out of Web3 into the rest of the world is if we can solve that question. Can we get moms and dads and normal people everywhere to fall in love with the collecting experience? I have pretty strong conviction that you're really close because you have built something that strongly mimics things that we already see that have been really successful in web two, like the content marketing angle. I mean, you've said this to me before, thinking of the wallet as like a new kind of inbox, like email inbox, new way to connect with people. These are known successful technologies from web two. The big difference is that you're using blockchain technology, you're using permissionless networks and you're, and you're creating ownership over this thing that's being created. Look, when FTX hit, a lot of the brands kind of went away that we're trying to get into web three. These, these companies that could have used something like drip to market to web two consumers, like kind of cross the chasm that you're talking about, but now they're coming back and they're, they're starting to talk to us again at Olaplex and, and talk about, you know, using hub to like our new product to build these kinds of campaigns. Congrats on the launch, by the way. Oh, uh, thanks so much. I think one end use case, like end user use case is what you guys have built the big difference with these companies is that their customers are not familiar with like getting phantom. Like they don't want to write a seed phrase down. They just want to like log in with an email. And so I think that could be the next like product iteration for you guys to cross that chasm. The thing that I love is that you started in the web three native ecosystem. You got the hybrid, right? Right. Like you've got this web three native thing that can get a lot of traction out of the gate and then cross the chasm with already a really large audience. To your point about like, we're doing something that you do see in web two. There is a temptation for us to say, add an Instagram connect button for a creator and let them just like import their web two content into web three and make it tradable and collectible and all that kind of stuff. But I think that kind of have a, has a short lifespan. What I've observed from every single platform shift is that the channel itself develops native content, native creators that know how to use the format and, you know, get something different out of it. We don't want to just take ideas from the past and then, you know, have them now sit on a blockchain instead. Uh, this could be wrong, but the way I'm thinking about it and our team is thinking about it is that within Solana, you have tons and tons of creativity around collectible experiences already. And as simple as, you know, things where DGen Poet, you know, who is one of our creators now is selling 
the physical art for the drops that he's doing. Uh, he's giving all the bidders a guaranteed legendary in our system. So this is like a creative way to demonstrate kind of composability and like the flexibility of wallets being kind of public and all that information being public. So we think it's super important that we show the Web2 creators and influencers that haven't yet found us what it's like to build out a collectible experience for their audience, build a whole bunch of ideas. And then when those folks come over and we bring them over, now they're seeing like, oh, this is how you take care of holders. This is how you think about rarity. This is how you think about driving the things that I want as a brand or as a creator with this medium. So we're not moving ultra fast in that direction. The experience should feel awesome for a Web3 native person. Every single creator that we have coming on board this year is building a model for Kim Kardashian or for the TikTok, what's her, Charlie D'Amelio, whatever her name is, Mr. Beast, right? For those kinds of people when they're ready for collectibles. I think you're spot on. I mean, you know, Olaplex, we started out as just the storefronts for creators, for indie creators. And what I've been hearing and seeing is that the marketplace model, this is purely like doing auctions and stuff and doing one-of-one editions and things like that. It wasn't that sustainable, right? It was something that was really only viable in the, the bull market for a very small amount of artists to make a ton of money. What these creators are looking for is what is that model? How do I create like a sustainable business around my creativity and my art? I think the model you guys are on could be that for them, which is pretty exciting. What you're saying is objectively true about one of one art. You know, I've been public about my feelings about where some of that stuff might be going. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm not an art appreciator. I'm not a curator. I don't have a vision for like artistic merit. But when I came to Solana and I spent a lot of time in the last year buying art, looking at art on form function and then ex- now and obviously exchange. And my observation was that it was impossible to tell the difference between some of the pieces that were couldn't sell for, you know, a dollar and the pieces that were selling for tens of thousands of dollars. The only thing I could see was that you had either bigger collectors or names who were putting their stamp of like, this is good and I approve of it, kind of creating a market for those artists. Or you had artists who were really amazing marketers and content creators and their attention was carrying their their sales. And I think what we're hoping to provide as an option for artists, not for every single one, but for the ones that do is like, a way to do marketing that for themselves that feels right for what they're doing. Like you're creating art, you're putting them on chain. Why don't you put your content on chain as well around that and see if that can kind of support it? This is a very early idea. Again, I think DGen Poet is like carving a path here. I think it's kind of working. But yeah, I mean, you're gonna see over the next couple of months, like a lot of a lot of creators coming onto Drip. And a lot of a lot of different ideas for how to like make that you know kind of a valuable income. So let's talk about Solana a little bit because a lot of people looking to build in the NFT space or with digital collectibles are always like, well, what chain should I use? And there's this kind of theme on Solana, like only on Solana TM. And in my experience thus far, having explored a lot of different technologies and a lot of different L1s and L2s, there are some things on Solana that you really can only do on Solana, like compressed NFTs. And that's been like kind of a cornerstone of how you've been able to scale. Just to like educate people who might be thinking about building 
anything similar to this to like market to their consumers. What are the challenges you've faced building this from an engineering and technical perspective? And, and how has some of that been solved with recent innovations on Solana? At the end of March, I think March 22nd, we did our last drop with the old NFT spec, which is the most common one. And that last drop cost us around 10,000 USD. And we were staring in the face the prospect of spending 10K, 12K, 15K, 20K every single week to do airdrops on the Solana. And that's already much cheaper than most chains. And uh, it was completely unaffordable. And it didn't allow us to reach this kind of vision for having an ecosystem of creators who are you know, dropping collectibles every day, every week. And so, yeah, state compression had launched a bit before that on mainnet, but it wasn't yet supported by Phantom Wallet, which is what most of our users were using. But that that week, uh, Phantom shipped it support for that in uh, in beta mode, and we just we said we can't pay 10k a week anymore. Um, so we turned on compression, and that weekly drop went from ten thousand dollars to fifteen dollars. You know, three cups of coffee, and there are just so few like technology innovations that that like change the economics that drastically. I mean, it. I don't know. Like, when's the last time such things happened where like a cost just went down like one one hundredth, one one thousandth because of a but I mean, it happens over time in tech, like everything gets cheaper over time. But this was just such a clear, you know, night and day situation for us where the product that we wanted to build, we couldn't build until that was there. Then it was there. Now we're running. The support for it around the ecosystem is still not 100%. Like we're still waiting on trading. We're still waiting on, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that were built around legacy NFTs that haven't made their way over. And that's all going to come because people, you know, like us are pushing the, there's demand and, and we're going to keep pressing the issue. You know, the other thing with this state compression is the speed. On any chain today, if you're airdropping NFTs, you're having to pay transaction fees for every single wallet and sometimes multiple transactions, uh, the mint and then the transfer and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's very slow. Like because chains, even Solana is, can it can take time. It can take seconds. It can be like... Per transaction. Yeah, per transaction. And in it, from a UX perspective, that's a that's like an eternity, right? You're seeing a spinner and you're like, what is happening? The last drop took us, I think, 15 hours to deliver from start to finish. So like from a just like marketing perspective, it's very hard to... Because we're dealing with so much customer support. We post the, here's what we're, everyone's getting. And then like the worst case scenario is that someone's like waiting an entire day for that. You, you can't build a good customer experience around that. So... Compression also is really fast. I don't actually know the details, but now we're dropping a quarter of a million NFTs in less than an hour. And that can be even faster. Like we need to get that down to like minutes, which we are working on right now. I remember this tweet you posted like a week or two ago with a screenshot of MailChimp and the cost of sending like the similar amount of emails. You probably used like SendGrid and stuff like that. It takes a good while to process like a quarter of a million emails, right? On a server. Oh, yeah. So when you made that comparison to Solana, yeah, it's expensive. You made that comparison to like compress NFTs on Solana. I was like, oh my God, I never thought that NFTs could replace the email marketing stack, right? Like you can now send an NFT faster and cheaper than you can send an email. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how long that holds up because I think if like a significant part of the world started sending uh, like emails or messages as NFTs, then all of a sudden the cost would go up again. But it is like an efficient structure because you're creating a tree and you're inserting a bunch of stuff into that. And then you're kind of like sending it all at once. So it does make me think that like there are some parts of the internet that could be rewritten to be 
much more economical, like overall in terms of like bandwidth usage, storage, like how many things are stored, duplicated millions of times inside of like S3 buckets, right? And we just like don't have an efficient way of kind of like deduplicating and all that kind of stuff at scale. So yeah, it's just a genius idea, like the way that they implemented it. I don't know if it's possible on their chains. I'm not familiar enough, but it's here already on Solana. And there's not a single company I've talked to in the past 12 months that isn't trying to reach that kind of scale. Like almost every Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 that's looking at using this technology needs at least a million, if not many millions of NFTs. And I think like the early days of the internet, they were just putting up with like what was available and spending the money to experiment. But and I agree with you, compressed NFT still has a ways to go from a support standpoint from what I know. But it's definitely a huge step in the right direction. And I and I haven't found anything. There are some chains that I've that I've talked to or some technologies that I've looked into that claim to be almost as cheap, but they are not as fast. And they're also not a permissionless, like decentralized you know, censorship resistant solution either, which is important to me. I don't know if that's as, as important to others, but it kind of matters, I think, when you're trying to give people actual custody of an asset. It just limits what you can build because I think one of the beautiful properties about this is the censorship resistance aspect. Yeah, like if the chain is not decentralized, then at any time a government can take down the content and um, we're kind of back in Web2 land. So to me, it's a very important thing. I think Solana is like sufficiently decentralized at this point. And of course, like the more like companies like us that are built around it, the more incentives we have also to contribute back to the chain and make sure that it uh, retains the properties that we that we like. All right. I want to change tax a little bit here, but it's still related to challenges. I remember you p- told me one time about like dealing with spam and, and fraud on chain. And I think you mentioned you'd come up with some creative solutions. Can you ch- just speak to the problem and the challenge and how you guys have kind of solved for that? When we were sending full NFTs, old legacy NFTs, as I, as I like to refer to them now, Solana has this property where the user that receives NFT, the wallet that receives it, can burn the NFT, remove it, um, and receive the account rent back. And at the price of Solana, you know, on average over the first couple of months, that was about 10 cents. Now, it's not a lot of money, but if you can figure out how to create, say, 10,000 accounts... And now we're dropping 10 cents times 10,000 accounts every single week to you. Okay, now it's $1,000 a week that you can get from us for free. And we went through a period where there's these like very large airdrop kind of hunting telegram groups and discords and went through a period of time where the admins of those groups were telling their members to do this. <laughs> like they're telling them to go and, and like create a bunch of accounts and then burn and burn the NFTs. We started noticing it in, in a bunch of different ways, but also our site, which was under a tremendous load all the time. And yeah, we had to get serious about, about fraud fighting. So we, we implemented today, uh, if you burn one of our NFTs, you, you get auto-banned, your, your wallet's auto-banned. If you try to create too many accounts, we'll auto-ban you. We're tracking this across sessions. We're tracking this across wallet instances, IPs, geographies, VPNs. There's a bunch of kind of logic that gets thrown into that. And then retroactively as well, we go back and run checks against how invite codes are used. And invite codes are the most important piece of this puzzle because it's one per person. And we know who originated the invite code and we know who it went to. And we release invite codes every week. And so we can track a tree of how people come into Trip. 
from like, you know, the root user all the way up through those invites that get distributed. And what we're looking for is like people who are sharing invite codes in a circular Don't way. Don't give away all the details. Don't give away all the details. They'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. It's, these guys are smart. They already know. They know. I promise you. They we were every week, but this allowed us to be able to deal with fraud very effectively at scale because when we see it happening, uh, we can go all the way back to the root and we can ban an entire tree of, you know, of, of users there. This has been a big challenge, but compression kind of solves it a little bit because, okay, yeah, you can, you can like get multiple accounts, but if you burn the NFTs, you don't get the rent back. It has changed the incentives a bit. Unfortunately, we do still see it and we're trying our best, but it's a very, very, very hard and unsolved problem in Web3, I think. I mean, most people have no idea the level of effort that goes into any product, right? I mean, I just, I brought that one up because I know it is a significant engineering problem. Like you've probably spent so much time like thinking and working on solving that issue. It's not just engineering, that's engineering plus communication because we could have done a better job of like telling users what we saw as like a good way to use our system and not. Um, and so that's something that we also spent a lot of time in. The best fixes we made is we hired ambassadors that spoke other languages and we had them go into these groups and in Hindi or whatever, tell them, hey, these are our rules. And if you don't follow them, we're going to take you out of the system. And it's going to be hard for you to, to come back in. That was also really helpful because I don't I think most of these people are not trying to take advantage of us. They were just told to do this and they don't speak English. So when they look at our tweets, like they don't know what we're talking about. So just kind of keep doing the bad thing. So yeah, it's engineering and that's a lot of like kind of ground game as well, just to get the message out about what, you know, what we need from them. Basically, I'm curious to hear where you think this space is going in general. I mean, you can put that in this perspective of drip, but just the broader web three crypto space, NFTs, like whatever you're interested in talking about, but like there's a lot at stake, it feels like, especially in the US. And there's a lot just going on, on at the macro level around the world. And I'm just curious where your head is at with the bigger picture and sort of your vision for the space. I mean, first of all, I don't think that the US is going to ban crypto. I think there's too much momentum. I think there's too many people in the government who just don't want that to happen. I hope that's true. And I think things like Drip, uh, we need more stuff like Drip because it becomes very obvious that, you know, with the right products that this isn't just a scam economy. You know, there's like legitimate things being built that can't be built with non-blockchain technology. Um, at a macro level, you know, I wasn't blessed to be around during the the like hype of the bull market. I mean, I bought some NFTs at that time and and you know lost lost some money, but but like everybody else, but I didn't come in early, so I I didn't get to feel the euphoria that some people felt. My perception of this market is that this is maybe this isn't a bear market. Like maybe this is just where we're at and we need to, to figure out and build products that, that help us grow from here. Personally, the speculative layer of, of crypto, which is such a dominant, you know, use case for, for like everything in every ecosystem is like the worst possible thing about all this stuff. I don't think Anatoly and Raj sat there thinking about like, how can we create something that like many, many people are just going to speculate on without fundamental value? Like, I think decentralized infrastructure has like an amazing place in the upcoming world that we're creating. Like, I think it is the anti-AI. I think it is the thing that allows us to like care a little bit more about the things that we're putting on the internet, maybe just a little bit more. And 
that's important. And it gives the internet a, a memory, which is something I've, I've said before. I think every piece of content we distribute has a timestamp. It's carved in stone and, it, and, and we know where it went to and who has it. And those are like world-changing principles that deserve to, to exist. So we're in a spot where we need more people building products. We need to stamp out the idea that like something is only going to work in the bull market. Like, hey, if it's not working now, maybe you should stop doing it and like do something else. Because there's a decent chance that none of this will ever look like it did in 2021 that we saw. Or maybe it won't look like that for in a short amount of time. It'll look like that over a very long amount of time. I really look back at the the charts from uh, 1999, 2000, where you had this like huge speculative bubble around the internet 1.0 and this huge crash, but that affected also the good things. And if you look at Amazon, you look at Microsoft, Google, all of the great companies that we look at, Apple, like some of those companies took five, seven, 10, 15 years to get back to where they were in 2000. But it wasn't like they stopped building, like they're building lots and lots of amazing things and revenue was growing and uses was growing. But the speculation and the, like the, the market cap and where they were were just totally divorced from reality. And I think we went through that. So people should expect like some of these things will not come back to that level for 10, 15 years. And that's okay. We just had to keep building. Yeah, you just got to survive. You just got to survive and build a real business. I share your perspective. I think about it as a builder in the space. I think about it like that a lot. I mean, pretty much every day. I started in the space in the end of 2016. And so I've been through like two two bulls and two busts sort of. And yeah, I think on the speculative side of things, we are in a bear market, but I think on the, hey, are there real world use cases where you can build real businesses that leverage this technology? I think that the technology is getting there now where you can actually do that. Like things like compressed NFTs um, and the amount of composable open source software like under the hood that you can use to build these products. It's one of the reasons why I built Hub 100% open source. Why why we're 100% open source cuz Yeah, you guys are crazy about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm I'm insane I, about I, it. I'm like a zealot. I just for me it's about <laughs> the legacy and like the things that can be built on top of it in the future and the impact that can have. That's what I care about. I care about the impact. I think I can build a successful business, but even if I don't I hope that it has a big impact on like other builders down the road that do find product market fit with the tools we've built. I'm about the long game. I've always been about the long game. So I appreciate, I appreciate your perspective. We're getting to the top of the show here and I always kind of ask the same question, you know, what have I not asked you that I should have asked? That's my interview question. I always ask that at the end of an interview with the employee. Now you're in the hot seat. You didn't ask me what's coming up on drip that I'm excited about. Let's do it. All right. So first of all, we launched a Discord two days ago, discord.gg slash drip dash house. So far, it's been an absolute disaster <laughs> for me personally. It's like it's a nightmare driving me insane. At the same time, I don't give up on stuff so easily and I'm going to fix it. And it's going to be an awesome, awesome community to join pretty soon. Second, the Degenerate Ape Academy drop number one is probably coming tomorrow. I don't know what day this is going live, but by the time this goes live, be we'll be yeah, out. This is sure. going to take a little while to go live. So yeah. you'll, you'll have already experienced it, <laughs> Drip Community. Okay. It's May 17th. It's May 17th. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, so this is not coming out for a bit. We're probably announcing the next Drip Creator next week as well. So we're going to start turning up the pace in terms of what streams and creators are coming on board. And this next one is something totally different. It is a Solana project, but nobody knows that it's built on Solana. 
In fact, like just a couple of days ago, they added Solana to their bio on Twitter and and it's not an NFT project. It's not an uh, artist. It's something different. And I'm really, really psyched Let's about go. it. Let's go. I can't wait. Now I'm all FOMOing. I mean, I'll be subscribing. I'm on all of them. So, And you're going to see just between now and the end of summer, we're going to really turn up the heat on projects, artists, brands, creators coming on to build interesting things. Yeah. If you're a user of Drip, we're just building every single day horizontally, building a lot of depth as well. Tons and tons of stuff coming. So if you're not signed up, like you're crazy, come find us on Twitter and and ask for an invite. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You just heard the Index Podcast with your host, Alex Kahaya. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the show a five-star rating and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or your favorite streaming platform. New episodes available every other Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in.